Okay, um, this is the Fiction Old and New Book Group, and today is Friday, March 5th, uh, 2021, and tonight we're talking about uh, The Book Woman of Troublesome Creek by Kim Michelle Richardson. Um, before we talk about that book, I'm just going to mention um, now and again at the end of the at end of their, our discussion, the book for next month. So next month we're meeting on April 2nd, which is a Friday, the first Friday in April at eight o'clock. And um, I'm sure many of you have either read or, or at least heard of um, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith. And recently I read another one of her books called Joy in the Morning. And I just thought it was just such a delightful book that I, I wanted to continue reading Betty Smith. So I looked to see what other books were available on Bard. And I picked this title, which is called Tomorrow Will Be Better, which I, I hope is true for all of us. Um, and the author is Betty Smith. And it's, it's an older title. The DB number is one seven. Zero four three. So again, it's one zero four three. Um, the reader is Elizabeth Weaver, who is not a reader that I'm familiar with at all. And I actually asked Joni if she was familiar, and, and I think you said you had not heard of her either. Um, and I will let you know. I don't know if you want to spend your credit on this one because it's not a terribly long book and it's not a great value for your money. But if you have access to commercial. Uh, recordings, there is a new version that came out recently of all of Betty Smith's books, and so that that is available as well. Um, and um, it is, it's a short book. It's eight hours and zero minutes, so it's not terribly long. And, um, uh, you know, I, I think it's a similar sort of story, a little bit like A Tree Rose Brooklyn. It sounds similar to me. It sounds like the book that I read, Joy in the Morning. So, Hopefully you'll all, you know, give it a try and, and, and you know, see what you think. Um, so now I'm going to just give you a little information about the author. And as David mentioned, she's she's a very interesting author. She's, she's led a really interesting life. Um, so Kim Michelle Richardson was born in Kentucky um, and grew up in the St. Thomas St. Vincent Orphan, in, Orphan Asylum. That was the name of the place. Oh, that she, my um, in 2004, she, her sister, and 40 other plaintiffs uh, sued the orphanage for damages caused by the sexual, physical, and emotional abuse by a priest and 15 nuns for the period of time from the 1930s to the 1970s. Um, wow. They won, and it was the first time in the United States that victims of childhood abuse won damages against a Catholic orphanage. Um, she wrote about her experiences in a memoir called Unbreakable Child. And the book that we read tonight, The Book Woman of Troublesome Creek, was published in 2019. It was a bestseller on the New York Times, Los Angeles Times, and USA Today uh, list. And the book received numerous honors, including being named the best historical novel of the year by Forbes magazine. I didn't realize Forbes magazine was in the business of, of naming historical novels, but they, they picked this one. Um, there's also a number of books, other books that she wrote that were recorded by the Kentucky uh, Braille and Talking Book Library that are on Bard as well. There were three other titles. Um, she's also a writer. She writes for various publications, including the Huffington Post the New York Journal of Books, other, other publications. And um, she, she sounds like a very nice woman. She donated her from this novel that we're discussing tonight to build uh, The Shy Rabbit, which is a writer's retreat in Kentucky. And she lives with her family in Kentucky. Um, and I'm just going to go through the characters just so we remember the name of the different characters. Um, so, of course, there was Cussie Mary. And then her Cussie's father was Elijah. And then there was that very mean librarian, Harriet. And then there was her friend, Queenie, who was the one who got the job in, in Philadelphia. And then, of course, her, her love interest is Jackson, Jackson Lovett. And then there was Angelique, um, who was the 16-year-old, one of her patrons. And uh, Angelique's husband was Wiley. And then their baby was Honey. And then there was also Loretta, 
um, who took care of Honey um, as he was was uh, traveling around. And uh, there are other other characters, but those were the only ones that I wrote down. Um, so I, what I'll do is what I usually do. I'll call on people one by one and we'll, we'll see what everybody thought of the book. Um, I'm just going to mention one other thing, which may or may not come up in, in conversation. Um, so I actually discussed this book with another book group and um, a big topic was what do the blue people look like? So um, it was, I, I discussed it at my local talking book and Braille library. Some people, um, you know, people had all different ideas of what they thought that, that the, um, the blue people might actually look like. So if that's something that's of interest to you and you wanted to mention your thoughts, um, you know, you could incorporate that as well. Um, so let's see. Why don't why don't we start with you, Sherry? Since you and I always used to go at the end, why don't we why don't we see what what you thought of the book? Well, I kind of hate to go first because I think I'm going to be in the minority here. Oh, okay. I didn't finish the book, um, and maybe it's just that I wasn't in the mood. But after about three and a half hours, the ugliness just seemed relentless to me. I mean, she gets raped and assaulted by this man that her father sends her off with. Fraser, the preacher, threatens to rape her in the woods. They abuse the mule a couple of times, and then she goes to work, and everybody's ugly and hateful to her there. And while she's at work, he abuses the mule again. And I just, like, I was just afraid she was going to get raped later in the book, and I didn't want to read it. And once she met Jackson, he was the only nice guy in the entire book up to that point. So I figured she'd end up with him, and I'm hoping she did. And I did have one question for the group. I might have missed this, but that guy that she went off with, that husband that her father sent her off with, ends up dead. I didn't catch how he died. Did he have a heart attack? Did she kill yes. him? He had a heart yeah. attack? Okay. Yes. Yeah, I just yeah. missed that part then. Okay. I'm glad. Yeah. Good riddance. Yeah. That's okay. Marsha asked me the same question. Oh, good. So, it okay. makes yeah. me yeah, feel no, better. No, he, he died of a heart attack. Um after marital sex, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Right. Well, after that and beating yeah. the hell out of his wife. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, after, yeah. after raping it. Yeah. After yeah. Raping yeah. It. yeah. Sorry, that's my phone. I'll mute myself. That's all I really had to say. Okay. That's great. Um, okay. Um, how about you, Deanna? What What did you think of the story? Um, this is the second book I've read about um, the uh, Eleanor Roosevelt's book program in Kentucky. And so actually the third one, I think. Anyway, <laughs> I so I was thinking, oh, another one of those. But actually, I think that the part about the genetic um, condition um, was quite intriguing. And um, from the sounds of it, uh, the coloration she had fluctuated according to just like um with fair-skinned people you know um blushing um distress of any kind illness could all change her color but um i think it was kind of sad that she felt like the only thing she could do to be acceptable was to take a medication that made her very sick and possibly was even life-threatening. And that um, she didn't have, you know, even when she was no longer blue, it didn't seem to make much difference. People still mm -hmm. weren't going to accept her. Yeah, yeah, that, that's very true, yes. Can um, I say one more thing, Michelle? I've, absolutely. Go ahead, Sherry. I'm sorry. I wanted to hurry up and mute while my phone was ringing. Um, somebody I know here in Bloomington um, actually had, gosh, now my other phone's ringing, um, has a, uh, had a, she was a school psych, and she had a student who had this genetic condition, but Ooh. only his lips were blue, and she said right. they were kind of a dark blue. And when I mm -hmm. looked it up on the internet, because I was kind of interested, I looked on Wikipedia, it sounds like this is a blood disorder, and it is. there's something yeah. missing in your blood's brown instead of red, and it makes right. it blue. Right. So, so oh. that's it. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's oh, all I had to say. That was, I, I remembered you had mentioned that to me, and thank, thank you for sharing that, that with the group, because that was really interesting. 
Um, okay. Um, how about you, Ladon? What did What did you think of the story? Yes, I'm not a fan of this book. I didn't think that um, the author uh, captured the time and place a little more the time than the place. Nothing about the beauty of uh, Kentucky came came through there. I didn't uh, grow really fond of any of the characters. I won't say it's a bad book. I'm just not a fan of it. And uh, the I didn't think it took place in 1936, and I didn't know they talked about genes and knew about genes therapy then. And uh, after the end of the book, then the author's note, she said that uh, that condition and that medicine that he gave her actually came along after in the 1940s after the time yeah. she just just uh, just changed it. But when I was reading, I said, I don't, I don't know if they knew about genes then. And so yeah. it was a little upsetting. But like I say, I didn't grow fond of any of the characters. But it was okay to read it, especially since I was reading it for a discussion mm-hmm. group. And, but I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Yeah, yeah. In the in the podcast that I sent out, she also mentioned that that I think it was like 1964 or something. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she did take uh, artistic license by by setting it back in time. That's one true. other little one other little note that I noticed, and it, it doesn't mean anything, but I did notice it that one of the people real early in the book uh, said that uh, they ha- were. Uh, had fought in the World War, 1936. There wasn't any World War. First World War. I know, but it wasn't World War One. It was the Great War. War it wasn't World War One until after World War Two came along. No one would say we. I was in the World War. Oh, you got a very good point there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think she called it World War One. I. I think she just she, called she it called, yeah, War. one time called it World War One, and later in the book, uh, did mention it as the Great War. But uh, she, I guess, I guess the editor missed one place. Okay, um, okay. Why don't Why don't you go ahead, Liz? Why don't, Why don't you tell us what you what you thought? Well, I really liked the book. Um, you know, again, when I when I read a story that I know is fiction, I, I probably am not as careful unless something is really glaring. But yeah, at the end, it was a little that it didn't come out. The cure, the cure for that didn't come out to the '60s. Um, but I liked the story. I um, it was very sad, but it, it you know, it, I think the thing that surprised me is that the the blue people were um, basically lumped into the group with all colored people, you know, that the, yes. the, the townspeople could not see that, that it was a medical condition. But then, I, you know, many of us here in this group know what it feels like to be <laughs> ostracized or made fun of because of something that's a medical condition that, that took our eyesight. You know what I mean? People yeah. are people. Um, but I really liked Cussie Mary, and I love the fact that she and Jackson did end up together. Um, and then, you know, that they had Honey, the baby. And I absolutely hated Harriet and what she mm-hmm. did to them on their wedding day. That just, you know, she's the one that brought the sheriff down, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but it, I think it was really well written. And I actually thought that many of her descriptions of the nature and the mountains and stuff really did be, be you know, really did kind of bring that beautiful beauty of Kentucky out. Um, the autumn flowers, the, the the autumn leaves, the flowers, the, I don't know. I, I, I just, I guess I allowed my imagination to take me to the mountains where it was gorgeous. So, uh, but I enjoyed it. Thanks. Well, you, you said exactly how I felt. So I don't even have to take a turn now. I can just say ditto because I, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> Okay, Joni, what what did you think of the story? I loved the book. I just loved it. I my emotions, of course, went from uh, relief when good things happened to uh, 
I've always, I've read many, many books about how the coal miners were treated mm-hmm. and have always thought, how could people treat other people that way? But that's how it is with everything. I mean, um, as far as I'm concerned, I, I have never seen any co- a color or anything, and it makes no difference to me what color a person is. I don't care about that. And when people make such a big thing over color, which they do, they still do, and it just, I just hate it. Because people are people. And what I loved about the book was that all of her patrons were so looking forward to when she would bring them anything, anything at all to read. And um, I think I, I either told Sherry or Michelle that when I was little... I suffered from a lack of books because you just couldn't get books uh, for for young kids. And all my friends were reading all these sharing student nurse, and I couldn't get anything like that. And I wanted to read so badly. So I identified with all these people that were waiting and waiting for her to bring them reading material, and she couldn't get enough. And that, and it just, oh, that Harriet, if I could have, I would have choked her. Oh, yeah. Queenie was so wonderful and so ambitious and worked so hard so that she could get that library job in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And that was so wonderful. And there was something about her writing. Well, I didn't know there was a podcast because I don't have email. So, um, well, I could I could tell you. I'll tell you, Joni, what it is, and you could listen to it on your device if you want to. I can give you. Oh, yeah, that would be wonderful. Okay, because you'll you'll enjoy hearing her voice. I think. Oh, I'd love to hear her voice, and I just. I really, there was something that really drew me to this book. I couldn't stop reading it. Um, Because, you know, the feelings went went from, oh, I'm so happy, to, oh, no, how can they, how can they do that? Or or how can they treat her this way? When sometimes I, I wish that, People couldn't see color at all. Like, I can't. Because then they... I never be, be yes. accepting of people. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I, didn't know what it, I didn't know what the blue skin meant at all. Because I've never seen any color. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, well, thank you so much, Joni. I, I, I appreciate that. So, I mean, I, I really especially love what you said about how they, how they really wanted to wait for her to come, all of her patrons, how excited they were to see her and how she, you know, she brought them material and it was so precious and important to them. And, and you're really right. That's true. That came across really strongly in the story. Um, okay. Um, David, um, what did you think of the story? Um, mostly I thought it was interesting. It's been a while since I've read it, but I've taken a few notes because what people are saying tonight has jogged my memory. One of you were mentioning about the Great War and World War One, and she should have caught that. I agree with you, but I will say that she mentioned in her interview that I listened to yesterday at the, is it Davies Library? I'm not sure how you pronounce it. That yeah. today, today the editors are so busy. She Somebody was asking her, you know, how to get published and how to do all of that. And she said, you polish, polish, polish. You have to, you literally nowadays, because I did it as well, though I didn't get published by a commercial house. I just was being self-published, but I still wanted it to look good. But you have to um, go ahead 
wait just a minute, I dropped something, excuse me. Um, you have to pay an editor now to copy edit for you, to line edit for you, and even to story edit, meaning your story has to make sense. They don't do as much for you as they once did. And if you don't have a social media following now, a lot of editors won't fool with you because they figure who's going to buy the book. They don't develop you like they once did. It's gotten, in some ways, easier to get out there but harder to sell. Um, the blue people were, I think, the most unique thing in the book in the sense that I had absolutely never heard of such a thing. It, I didn't realize such a thing was real. I did what Sherry did and Google did and read about it in Wikipedia and found out how they, their blood was chocolate colored and it makes their skin look blue, that methylene blue was used to treat it. And I believe the Fugates of Kentucky were the people that were close, most closely associated with this condition and that the last one with it was born in 1976. Now, she would not tell anybody. Somebody asked her about the blue people and she said she made a promise that mm -hmm. she would not tell anything about where they were or who they were. So I don't know if they're still blue. I think that would be hard to hide now with everybody having a cell phone. Maybe they take their medicine so people don't know they're blue. But she hopefully said, hey, they've improved it. Hopefully the methylene blue is an old medication. I think it's based on a dye, a, a, an aniline dye from Germany in the late 19th century. But anyway, um, I assume they take their medicine. She said ABC... And, oh boy, what was, I forget what the other one was, We're wanting her to tell who it was they wanted to look and she refused. She was offended by the media wanting to really blow that up because if they had put those people on, they would never have privacy again. I mean, millions right. and millions of people would see it. So I'm impressed with her integrity. She did not tell anybody. Mm -hmm. The hospital scenes with Cussy, if I'm remembering oh. right, were not overly pleasant. They were rough on her. Oh, they, they flung her there. And they were yeah, she was getting back at the nuns on that scene, I think. Yeah. I think she was. Yeah, yeah. She had her hand on a knife all the time. She's ready. Yeah, I think they were. I did agree. I liked the mountain scenery, the descriptions, and I found the story. Um, let me see what I wrote here. The um, let's see here. One moment. And I did find an interesting part with the scrapbooks. If I'm remembering this story, because yeah. like like mm -hmm. Deanna, I read a, that other one. I think one of our groups discussed Give her that the other stars. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one. I, in some ways, I like this one better. It seemed more authentic somehow in some ways. But what I found interesting in this one were the scrapbooks. Apparently, the librarians, as Kim Michelle Richardson said, they were paid to deliver the books, but nobody gave them money for the books. They would have to beg, borrow, and steal right to the big libraries say, in Chicago to get any books they didn't want. And they would try to patch them and fix them and keep them as long as they could. But she said in the book that some of the librarians made scrapbooks. The women, they knew the women liked to look at recipes, and they might want to read magazine articles and things. So it was more like an anthology sort of book that they would put together and they would give to some of the women to read. If I remember this, if this is from this book. Yes, exactly. Okay, Cause I have to be careful not to get it mixed up with the other one. And um, let's see what was, let me think what was the other thing I wanted to mention to you. Oh, just to comment briefly on something that um, was mentioned just a minute ago about books and being a child. I think NLS did not start producing books for children until 1952. So, right. yes, yeah, so I can understand your um, feeling a bit left out because I was lucky to have mostly to have books to read, but oh God, if it was during the summer and I and a week went by and I'd be on the phone and that was back when you didn't call long distance unless you had something really important to say. I would call the state library, talk to the librarian for a few minutes. They would send me some more stuff. So my heart goes out to you. That that has to have been awful. Today we're in the exact opposite condition. I've never yeah. had more to read than I have in the past few years I will and never I read it all a, I was such a I, I I would come home from school and I'd say mom did I get any books I no, can imagine no books I think and APH had a few things for you for well, there were a few I got a few books 
or um, and a few we didn't Braille have magazines. a state library. Oh, okay, and a few Braille magazines. The Commission magazines. for the Blind had some, some, they had a few books. Oh. And they sent them to me, and I would send them back, and then they said, we ran out of books. Oh, no. I, I remember hearing that a former NFB head once said that he would get two Matilda Magliz- Mag- two Matilda Ziegler magazines over the summer so he'd read two Braille pages a day to make it last. I thought, oh, how awful mm-hmm. to, to be that limited. Well, I got Jack and Jill magazine. Oh, One I of like my Jack and Jill. A highlight. I would read it so all fast. at once. It came in two parts. <laughs> and you gobbled and it I up. Would, I gobbled it up and my mother would say, <laughs> why don't you save it? Oh, no. No, I have to. You had to have it. You had. I would have too. Absolutely. I would have too. And then there was a time when the American Red Cross, I guess, they brailed a bunch of books, and they sent me several boxes of these wonderful books. Oh, you must have been in heaven. I was, but I didn't get to read them all. Because oh. my mother decided to give them to somebody else that we knew that was blind. Oh. And she gave them away. And oh, I, no. oh. And they were probably uh, hand copied. Well, they were hand copied, but I think that some of them, I don't know how they did them, because some of them were press braille. Wow. <laughs> because other people got books too. And it was like, I don't know where they got them from, but oh my God, I couldn't believe it. And then she had to give them away. Oh no. And she threw out all my Jack and Jill. She said that they were taking too much room. Oh. Uh-uh. Uh, hi. I, are you, uh, do you have anything else, David? Or No, are that you? was it. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks okay. for understanding, David. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, Don, Don. Well, we'll try out. Yeah, to my phone started. I hope somebody gets it. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I first thought I was reading this first book we read, you know, The Stars, because it was so much like it. And uh, I thought it was, assumed it was by the same author, which it wasn't, I guess. And uh, I only got about two, oh, a little ways into the story because I had not, I had downloaded it but missed it until. Uh, I got a reminder from uh, Alan, so so that works well. But I I, I kind of like the first part, but it seems very different in the lot which I've heard described on on the book. But um, I thought they were hang they hung this guy, the 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 husband or the abuser. But anyway, that uh, anyway I I I will try to finish the book and read the article about the thing. Okay. There was one guy hung in the book, but it wasn't him. He hung himself. Yeah, he hung himself. Yeah. Oh, he hung himself. Ah, oh, that's yeah. It was Angeline's uh, husband yeah. who hung himself yeah, because but, <clears throat> he was a blue. He was yeah. a blue, and he didn't. He right. hadn't told anybody. And when their baby that was, was an awful smart mule too. It was that uh, more like a dog. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and, and mules are smart, but uh, they, yeah, anyway. Um, Sally, I know last time you mentioned you read the book previously, so um, I hope the discussion is jogging your memory a little bit. What, yeah, what um, I read it with another book club last summer, um, just about the time the Black Lives Matter movement exploded. So it was really interesting to read it in that context and see how there are always groups of people who are discriminated against in the hierarchy, how it's based on color, class, um, money, it's, it's ju- it never changes. Um, but I really enjoyed the book. Um, my first career was as, when I could see I was a librarian, so I loved the way she just looked for books or material that somebody would yes. like. Uh, I mean, she was just so good about that. Um, the other part that um, someone mentioned, the abusive husband died of a heart attack. We thought in, a, in the other group I was in that the father actually killed him. They brought him back to the house 
and because he was so bruised, the father had um, brewed up uh, a potion of foxglove to take care of bruises. But foxglove is actually digitalis, and um, when the doctor asked how much he had given him, he said, oh, just enough to do what I needed to do. That wasn't the husband, so, though. That, 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 that was the preacher, though. That wasn't the husband. That, that was the preacher. Okay. Yeah, okay. But my favorite character was Junior the Mule. Yeah. I love uh, yeah. Junior. <laughs> was it Junior or Junior? Junior. 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 Okay. Junior. Yeah. yeah. I love that mule, and I love the way she took care of Cassie. Um, mm-hmm. I'd recommend the book. I was a little, I got a little romancy toward the end, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, predictable, but she deserved a happy ending. They both yeah. did. Absolutely. Yeah. Agree with you. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, sure. Oh. Um, Alan, what what did you think of the book? Yeah, I I, I, I liked it. I, I didn't like it as good as I did The Giver of Stars, but I mean, the, you know, the, the the points people have been making, uh, uh, it did feel more uh, uh, realistic, I guess, to the time than The Giver. The Giver of Stars just felt more like a better story, I thought. But but this one felt more down to earth and and more. Uh, uh, true, true to life, I guess uh, I, I'll say. But uh, uh, I, one, one of my favorite quotes in in the book was, and I'm not going to get the quote exactly right. I'll get the gist of it. Was was something her her father said, and when when she was taking the medicine, she, he said, "No pill is going to open open the uh, the minds of the small mind." And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and he, he was spot on because there are a lot of small minded people. Uh, in, in this community and stuff, oh, yeah, there, there's a lot of them all over the world, unfortunately. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, but but yeah, you know, I thought it was great. good. I, you know, I thought Junior was, Junior was great. Now, maybe y'all can tell me what you think. Did Junior kill that the, the preacher guy? Because I knew he was he was trying to abuse her again. Uh, but uh, I was a little bit bum fuzzled on on how he died. So I mean. Uh, I, I, I think I think Sally's right. I, I think the the father helped him along. Uh, you know, helped him uh, 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 make his exit. Find, <laughs> yeah, yeah, make make his exit and stuff. But I think I got the impression that Junior was the one that it, you know, that had kind of beaten him up and stuff, so that he was so bad off. But is that what everybody else thought, or did uh, did something else happen to him? I'm going to just hold off on that question just till everybody's gone through and then we'll, we'll jump right into that one if it's okay. Yes, uh, okay. Um, uh, Ginny, what, what did you think of the story? Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree with a lot that has been said here. Um, I was also struck by, uh, I had read Jojo Moyes' book, uh, The Giver of Stars, and um, I really didn't like it. I felt it was a little flat. And this book, um, I had, you know, this was a book that was really almost um, textbook <laughs> about, um, you know, social justice in, in so many aspects, but brought to life in a very compelling way. Um, you know, we had the um, the um, sexism, obviously. I mean, it took her so much. I was so proud of her for, you know, going out and um, against her dad's wishes. Um, and the way she brought to life a lot of these social issues was really i thought interesting like the the um the desperation of the coal miners was very vivid in this book um you know the greed uh was depicted um there was uh the medicine the medical uh you know uh the doctor was you know I guess imperfect. He wasn't going to work on um, someone who was a thief of a chicken. I mean, you know, um, in many ways, um, you know, and then the poverty. The poverty, at least in this book, was not ennobling. You know, sometimes the nobleness or hardship. Some people were, um, you know, gained character through the hardship. The poverty was um, very, very extreme. I don't, and I think. About this book, I had a f- I thought to myself at one point, is this a melodramatic book? And I thought, well, maybe it doesn't matter. 
you know, if the book is melodramatic or not. Um, you know, all these um, these things were did happen back then. And she, um, I thought her writing style was really interesting. When the character was talking first person, she would use a lot of very colorful um, vernacular, I guess, southern things. It was a unique. One of the things I have trouble with in historical novels is when it sounds like it's a contemporary, you know, uh, dialogue. This was uh, kind of whimsical, and it rang really true. And now, since she lived in Kentucky, I see where, you know, she might have had this dialogue in the back of her mind. Um, some of this stuff was extremely intense, um, you know, like uh, the birth scene and stuff like that. Um, however, when I think back to that time, you know, the Appalachians, the you know, the the coal miner, the greed of the capitalist system in that sense, um, I can, you know, all the social injustice um, was, it made the read kind of painful. I liked the nature descriptions. I really liked uh, that. There was a freshness to the book. I liked this. And, and also, like people have expressed, oh, yes, I've had book hunger, too. <laughs> and um, when I used to have to get things on cassette, uh-huh. I would just wait and pine away. Uh-huh. And sometimes I would call our library and say, and they would say, oh, we already mailed that six months ago, and I never got it. You hope and, it didn't break in your machine, either. <laughs> yeah. How does that happen? Right. Oh, yeah, that happened often. And then they were always very, often very crotchety. They would go faster, slower. Yeah, and then I think um, one of the things that she brought out in her book that's really close to my heart um, is just how life-transforming reading could be, you know, for some of the characters. It gave them comfort. It gave them practical skills. And, um, you know, right now I've noticed in myself since um, we got barred, you know, and I've been able to put things on cassette or now with my computer down, the Victor Reader, what a difference that makes when you can get something you want to read to further, um, you know, something you hear about on, like, I think I heard a book on a podcast the other day, or no, it was the New York Times, it just come out, and they did an interview with her, and it was on Bookshare, you know, and so access to books and information is just really life-transforming, and she brought that out really well. And um, I thought her writing was really fresh. Um, you know, some of this stuff, I thought, okay, this is like, I've heard about this stuff over and over again. But then I thought, okay, but the point this book is making over and over again is how do we treat people who are different? Um, and then the other point was this era, uh, she she was in Kentucky. She said she did a lot of good research. This era... Um, I'm, you know, so much, um, you, you think about a small community, but there wasn't really a sense of community. If you didn't have kinfolk, apparently, um, Angeline and her husband didn't have kinfolk, and they were kind of left to themselves. And so, um, yet, some people like Paul was a wonderful character, my favorite, and what did he say at one point? You know, he said, look, you know, even if you can turn your skin if people can't see past the, you know, the uh, color of your skin, then, um, you know, they're, you know, that's just pretty much nothing is going to change, you know. And, and so um, I thought about a lot of ways in which um, you think these things are, are over with, but there's still that discrimination and, you know, sometimes the displaced aggression, which is was really evident in this book, you know, people wanting to feel superior and wanting to, um, and, you know, and taking those steps of making sure people stayed in their place. So it was a painful book, perhaps a bit melodramatic, but again, but I'm not sure that matters. And that's all I have to say. Okay, great. Um, so you, you've all done a superb job of talking about all the different themes in the book. And, and thank you so much. I, I don't really have much else to add. Um, I will just say that I, I also, like Sally, what was a librarian. So for me, I, I love libraries. I love reading. I love anything to do with a library. I found all the, the ways that she would find the books, you know, like discarded in old piles of things that people had donated or people had thrown out or the, or the big libraries didn't want anymore. And the things that she just brought to people's homes, like you know, a pamphlet, a magazine, you know, it just made such a difference to them. And really, like, I think Joni said, like, it really sort of opens up their world and, and, and gave them um, 
you know, just just gave them a, a they they craved for it. They really they really wanted it. I thought that came through yeah. so strongly. Just the love of of reading and and wanting to read and having access to books. Um, and and I just I, I I found the book like I could just picture her so easily, you know, just setting off on her little pack mule and going off to people's houses. And it took hours and hours to get there. And when she got there, they were you know usually very delighted to see her. Um, and even things like the the character of Loretta, who you know I I wear glasses and I've worn glasses since I was eight years old. I've had to wear glasses and. I, you know, I just thought she all she really needed with her eyesight, she's saying her eyesight was poor. And I thought, oh, you know, what's going on here? And it turns out that all she really needed was glasses. And you just think about, you know, the, the lack of access that people have to all different things, the books, to, to medical care. Um, when Wiley hurt his foot, they couldn't afford to, you know, get proper medical care. I thought she brought those kind of things out in the story really really well um and it was it was to me it was very evocative and and i'll just mention one scene that just broke my heart along with so many others was when she went to the fair and you know finally mm. people telling her well you know she's so pretty because she looks white and she thought she would sit down with the ladies in the sewing circle and they still rejected her you know they just didn't want to to deal with her at all and i and i just thought it was it's just was heartbreaking i mean but you know there were so many nice moments of joy i think her friendship um with um queenie was was lovely and her romance with jackson you know was lovely and and you know they had a lot of hardship he was um, uh, convicted of a mis- miscegenation and had to go to jail. And it was just, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, there were a lot of different issues and, and things that were brought out in the story. And for me, it was just very easy to visualize all of this. Um, and I, I, I loved it, you know, from start to finish. I just thought it was a wonderful book. Um, so I think, Alan, I'm going to have you repeat your question because, of course, by now I already forgot what it was. And we'll see if anybody had answers for you. It did was Junior the one that had injured that that ratted horrible preacher guy before the uh, her father poisoned him and finished him off? Uh, is that is that what people had thought? That, that I thought Junior? so. Yeah, yeah. that okay. was yeah. He, he was the mule was acting as much like a guard dog, sort of like well, in that oh, right. character. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, he, and they come out and they came after him. And how long did Jackson go, go to jail for then? Uh, Fifteen sure years or something like that, wasn't it? How long? Four years. Think, oh, it was only four years. Okay. And then, and they were going to move to Ohio. Actually, that right. was the plan. And but because they really couldn't. They couldn't be married where they were. And I don't. I don't. I guess. Well, before Loving versus Virginia, right? Nineteen sixty-seven. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, it was there were states where you could be married because a friend of yeah. mine was married to a, a black man in like sixty six, I think it was. But there were several states where they couldn't go. Um, right. It's the same sort of situation now with with gay marriages. Um, some states recognize them, others don't. And well, the gay sad- marriages federally. Well, gay marriage. Finally. Federal. Yeah, yeah, but finally. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. took a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Massachusetts started no, no, it, in 2004. It's, it's all the land. I mean, some people don't want to, um, you know, like make bake a wedding cake for somebody who's a gay marriage and things right. like that. Legal. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. you go. Some people don't even like it if you're a Democrat. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I, wanted to, I wanted to bring out another thing that I thought about was was really good in this book and in that um, it brought out the distrust of some people of the books and the the I can't remember the family's name but the man was like my chores aren't getting done my food isn't getting done and you know the people distrusted the books and it it I mean, I have people in my family today that I got, I, I can't tell you, I, they probably couldn't name the last book they read. Yikes. I mean, yes. <laughs> and, they me have a, yeah. and there's yeah. like a resentment or a, um, uh, it's a waste of time. You're, you're yes. just wasting your time. Yeah. But they watch um, television. Yeah. That's so what, yeah, what, what, what do they do with their time? Yeah. What do they do with their time? Yeah, you know, well. people don't. Um, I grew up in a family. I'm one of four children, and I was the only one in my house who read. Wow. And I will tell you, we had no books in my house except my books. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I didn't grow up in a house with my family. And when I tell people this, they're like shocked because everybody I know grew up in a house with tons of books and they can't. And then I found out years later that my dad, when he was younger, was a tremendous reader, tremendous Mm -hmm. reader. And he just didn't really talk about it, you know, because I always wondered. Do you know? Yes. He he just got busy with work and he just didn't have the energy for it ever. But oh. I understand what you're saying because I that it's so strange to me. Like when I tell people when I was younger that there were no books in my house, reading was not encouraged in my house. Exactly, <laughs> oh, it wasn't encouraged. In fact, for you know when I, on those rare times um, that I that I did get to read, was, it was very difficult yeah. for me. There was a lot of um, active discouragement. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because in my household, my mother loved to read. Um, my father used to yell at her because she'd be um, looking at something at the, and we'd be sitting at breakfast or whatever. And he'd say, Naomi, where's your head? Where, what do you, you know? And she said, oh, I was reading the box, the box of cereal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, anything yeah. that had print on it, my mother read. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't, I didn't read. I didn't read much uh, as a child either. I do recall uh, one uh, time when I was quite young, my mother did have a book that she was reading. And, oh, it was so good. She was telling my grandmother, oh, it is so good. I cannot put it down. So I picked it up to read it. And it was God is my co-pilot of World War II story. Oh. And this was just right after World War II. And I couldn't make heads turn tails of the damn book. You know, I didn't, couldn't understand the adult book. But anyhow, uh, so I never got to read until after uh, I was married and I found out, man, reading is a very good uh, bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. But I did want to mention a couple of things about the about the book. When the uh, doctor took her and uh, forced her dad to let her go to the city and forced her to go to the city, and she was, he was telling her, telling her, well, wouldn't it be great when you're white? You're going to be white, and wouldn't it be good? I'm saying, what a charlatan this guy is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He is but it turned out that, that he wasn't. And of course, he did have something, uh, idea of what, what he might be able to do for her. It did turn her white for a little bit. That didn't make a difference in her life. And now, the other thing that uh, brought to my mind was uh, when the sheriff came and uh, arrested him f- for marrying her because of uh, interracial marriages brought to my mind uh, the story in, uh, in Showboat where uh, the... Mm-hmm. the to, oh, yeah. If you recall that, uh, they were uh, on the boat and this guy was married uh, a black girl and the sheriff was coming and they got... Uh, message that he was coming to arrest him and he cut this uh his wife just gave her a little bit of cut and uh he put put her finger in her in his mouth and sucked the blood out of there and then when the sheriff came to arrest him he said sheriff he said if you got one drop of black oh, blood in you, oh, excellent. you're black and and I uh, said, yeah, you got black blood in you? I said, yeah, I got black blood in me. And all of the entertainers there said, yep, he's got black blood. So they couldn't arrest him. <laughs> so okay. I thought that, anyway, I brought up that story into my mind. Well, my parents were both avid readers. And when I was little, they would read to me. Mom particularly, I guess dad did too. And when I um, got my Opticon, everybody was crying because I could read print. And they were giving me all kinds of stuff to read. And I, because that was my dream, that I would be able to read print. So so I would read a, a, a print book, a talking book record, a cassette book, a Braille book. I forget what the fifth one was, but I would be reading all these books at one time, and that was when I had my son was a baby, and I would still read. Mm-hmm. And oh, you could read a print book with your Opticon? You must have been really good with it. Because oh, yeah. yeah. I've yeah, seen them. I, they're kind of hard to track they, with, and you, they're, they, they're challenging. Yeah, they are. Oh, I love them. I, I, I you read must have a been lot. good. 
I'm you know what? Because what, uh, oh, I was so motivated. That's what I oh, wanted okay. to do. I wanted to read bestsellers when they first oh. came out. And I called up the, my local library, and I told them what the thing was, that um, could I borrow books, could I have them a little bit longer so that I could finish them. And um, it was slow going at first, but I was so motivated. I wanted to read anything that I could get my hands on. And I loved it when I was a kid because I would get the Reader's Digest, which is so Republican, but they had some articles in it, and my parents would read it so we could discuss the articles that we had read. They had and, a condensed book at the end. They used to. I used to like yeah. that part. Mm-hmm. The thing that used to limit me with reading was that I did not have time to sit at a machine and read. I was I was working, you know, then you've got your house, you know, stuff around the house. I, I feel so freed up now with, with, you know, I can download it onto my phone and put on headphones and I can you know, read wherever I go. But it was... It was really hard. Um, Especially the old talking book records. You had to be Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The cassettes yeah. were better. Yeah, I, I, know, I could read. Records, uh, uh, you'd get them and, and you'd put the record on and it would skip. And oh, yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. You could and for school, I had to read the um, Soundscriber disc. They and would the skip flexible discs. Right. And they were bad. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I could read do. print for the most, for a good portion of my life. And I lived in a very small town with a two-room library. Oh, no. And I can still remember my library card number, 2924. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh-huh. Um, I, you know. Um, I can't even remember my husband's social security number, but I can remember my high school, my um, mm-hmm. library number. But I know I don't know how many of you were cited as children, but yeah. um, we got in grade school we got um, the weekly reader and oh, yeah. Scholastic, oh, yeah. Bo- yeah. Scholastic Book Club. We got those my in house- Braille. Yes, we did. Yeah. Oh, I remember. Did they? Yes, okay. they did. My- uh huh. Okay, my my house had no books in it. We just didn't have the money. But every quarter, every quarter of the year, when those scholastic book clubs came around, Uh somehow, I don't know how they did it, my parents always had money put aside for it. Um, You know, and I look back now and I think, you know, that really set me off with a, a free library card and Scholastic Book Club. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I worried most about when I started to lose my vision, not the fact that I was a librarian and I was going to lose a career as well, but um, that I wouldn't be able to read what I wanted to read. Um, I, I started to lose vision in my late 20s, and you know I thought cassettes were wonderful because at least they were something. Um, mm-hmm. But... But I was talking with a friend of mine who's been blind all her life, and she said that today it's it's like a banquet. You oh, know, yes. oh, it is. Yeah. There's just you know there's just so much before that was not available. Right. And today she said it's it really is rare that she can't find something she wants to read in an accessible form. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and I just thank God because. I can't imagine not reading. Well, yeah, you know what you, you say is exactly. I, I remember an experience as you, Sally. I I lost vision later than you did, but one of the things that I ended up doing was I wrote um, an article. New Public Library. They have like um, website and they do articles on it. Because I, even though I lived in New York City, I had never heard of the Andrew High School Braille and Talking Book Library, even though I had lived there for 30 years. I didn't know anybody who was blind or visually impaired when I, when I started losing my sight. And I realized that a lot of other people also wouldn't have known about this. So I wrote a very long article that they published 
all about the library and all about the resources and all about what it was like to transition from reading print to, um, you know, all the resources, the different ways that they Mm -hmm. read. Because I think a lot of times that was my big fear also. I mean, along with the other fears, but I was always a reader. And I thought, how the heck am I going to read if I can't see the print? And I didn't realize, you know, that there were all these these options out there. And, you know, like, you know, Bard and Bookshare. And, and, you know, I, I had heard of Audible when I started losing my vision, but I didn't even know what really Audible was. And I think that it's it's a very real concern. I think a lot of times if you're not part of the blind community, you don't know what the heck you're doing. And you yeah, sort of I was I was out. very lucky that um my husband at the time and I um were to, at a Quaker meeting and met a woman who was blind who is still a very good friend of mine. And she had been blind from birth and kind of you know mentioned things and helped me along the way. But, um, you know, I, I just can't, this past year, I, I keep saying to people, what do people who don't read do all day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. This is Jenny. I, oh, I'm sorry. I, I remember uh, our family really encouraged us to read. I'm probably, my mother reads a lot. My dad maybe less so. But I remember my very earliest memory of childhood was walking to the library by myself. It was oh, just boy. such a thrill. I still remember the flowers on the side of the road and the sense of triumph, not only of going there, but the library was, like we've all said, you know, a sanctuary and a launching pad and all those things. And um, when, in, when I lost my vision, um, this was a time where you still had book hunger because the library, unless you had the money, you were on a waiting list. <laughs> and then um, you can get it, and then so you had to wait for the books you wanted to read. So in some ways, now, um, and then I made the transition from print, and um, for a long time there wasn't as much variety. Now it's spectacular, of course, but making the transition from print to audio was hard for me. And, um, you know, it, it, you know, cause I was used to giving personal interpretations to the stories. However, after a while, I kind of just tuned out the, um, some of the nuances of the readers. And right now I don't notice it, but I will say one thing that's so much better. It, when I was sighted and a print reader, I mean, I ran up library fines, <laughs> you know, cause <laughs> I was always checking out books and forgetting about them and, get, and, um, you know, I, but I think that now I think about reading with my eyes, and I think you know it was really tiring. I would have to stop reading at oh, that yeah. time. I oh, mean, I yeah. couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't do as much reading as I'm doing now. And like um, Liz was saying, I think multitasking. So um, it's been a, a good trade-off. I just remember that sense of, oh no, I have to stop reading. My eyes are tired. My neck is tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so uh, it's my point. In order for we me used to, to have to wait. I'm sorry. We used to have to wait for years when we would find out that a book had come out that everybody wanted to read, and there just weren't that many copies. And you had to wait, and they put you on a list. At, on a, if you were like I always asked for for just send me the things that I request, and so then I started, and that was. For talking books, and then I started. I realized that I could get hand copy braille from any library throughout the country that had hand copy. Oh my God, that was wonderful! But I had to wait eight years for Lolita. I had oh, to wait no. eight years for Place. See, part of that one copy in the country. Right, and part of that, part of the problem was also that. There were copyright laws that prevented books from being reproduced in any other format. And so it would take them a while to be able to perform, to reproduce them in an in a accessible format. Yeah, because um, they had to beg, practically beg, for the uh, publishers to let them... Exactly. Uh, so we got the law changed. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then... Right. Well, and the I, I know that. that back in the 90s, I was a member Chafee of a that. consumer group that we went to Capitol Hill and that was one of the things that we were lobbying for is that they 
um, Im- improve that. That was back in the late 90s that is yeah. when we were still lobbying for that. My mother was I, such a supporter of my my reading because um, when we did that scholastic book thing and, and my vision was getting too poor for me to, to see print anymore, she'd still um, fill out the form and order the books and then she would read them to me because mm-hmm. she loved yeah. to read so oh, much. Yeah. So I can remember oh, My her. mother wanted to read to me, but I didn't want her to. Mm. I wanted to read for myself. Can I ask a question? I have a question about the book actually tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the medical aspects of it. When I was reading about how they treated her in the hospitals, it really brought me back to, did, did anybody read The Immortal Life of Miss Henrietta Lacks? Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was kind of reminiscent. It's like they treated people like specimens. Yeah. And, you yeah. know. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. I think we're I mean, done. The huh? hour. I do have a question about the book that I, I probably should know the oh. answer to this, but I was falling. I think I may have fallen asleep briefly. Okay. So um, they are married. And at the end of the book, as far as mm-hmm. I can tell, um, you know, she was in, I think she said the cabin Pa had made for her and her and right. mom. Now, yeah. what were their plans to reunite um, out of she Kentucky? Was- he was trying to find um, work in Ohio and, and yes. establish a house for them to move there. Okay. And he would sneak that. back in to have visits with her. Right. Because and, and, when he was arrested, he was not allowed back in Kentucky for like 25 years or something like that. That was mm-hmm. part of his. So he would have, uh, he would sneak back in to be with her and the kids and then have to sneak out again. Yeah. Without being spotted. Thank you. Yeah, I remember seeing the movie. I saw the movie. They have it audio described. I think it's called Loving. Yes, which I talks about, yeah. 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 That's, it's on audio. It's pretty good on audio. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Did they have any kids themselves, or was it just honey? So far, I think they just had honey. Okay. That I remember. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's what I remember, too, but I you hope they had more. <laughs> did I hear your cat meowing earlier, Liz? Did yes, you your cat did. tonight? Okay. <laughs> yes, right. that was okay. Chewbacca. <laughs> okay, all right. So I, I'm just going to mention the book just one more time, and then I was, we can keep talking, but I was just going to have Alan stop the recording, I guess. Um, so the, the book for next time, I think everybody was here when I mentioned it the first time, but it's called Tomorrow Will Be Better by Betty Smith. And it's about eight hours long. And she's the author of A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, which I'm, I'm sure everybody's okay. yeah. is familiar with. Um, so that that's our book for April. And, um, yeah. and and thank you, everybody. This was just such a great discussion. You know, when I was reading the book, I didn't realize it would provoke such a discussion about actually reading, but it did, which was wonderful. Because um, it's it's really great to hear. I mean, of course, everybody that comes loves to read, but it's, it's nice <laughs> to hear all the different experiences <laughs> that we've had. And um, you know, like to how much reading really means to each of us. And, and it's, it's really, it's very special to hear that. So thank you all for sharing, you know, your, your stories, actually. When I and went I'll, away to college, my mother would beg me to bring my textbooks home so she could read them. Oh, that's, that's funny. Yeah. But I'll plug, World, World's of Books meets yeah. two, two weeks from Tuesday, and we're doing The Splendid and the Vile uh, about Winston Churchill by Eric Larson. Who also it, narrates it. It's so. one week, right? One week from Tuesday, right? Two, one week from next uh, Tuesday, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that one. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody yeah. know? I, week, I keep waiting for the last science fiction um, podcast to come up, but I haven't seen anything yet. Is yeah, that? I didn't see it either. The history one isn't out there yet either. Pardon? The history one from last Tuesday hasn't. No, the history oh. one just. Just came out. Well, they just met. They they just met previously on Tuesday. I mean, right, just that's true. Tuesday. Yeah, it just. Yeah. I think it, it came on because I went on the website today and. It was oh, there. okay. I checked yesterday. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, good. I might as well plug my banquet, the fourteenth yes. of March. Thank Michelle. Yes, I just like to put up. Uh, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. I just like to also recommend Joy in the Morning. The other Betty Smith book you mentioned. I just read in the morning. Oh my God, that is yeah. the best book. 
the I, I saw I, the movie in 1965. It was Richard Chamberlain and yes. Yvette Mimieux. Um, yes. But I read the book then, and I read it well, maybe about 15 years ago, and it held mm-hmm. up. It's, it's, oh, it's really fun. good. It's so I yeah, was going to read it in the morning, but I just read it, and I wanted to read another one of her books. But I, I endorse it's such a good book, Joy in the Morning. I actually hope tomorrow will be better. It's as good as Joy in the Morning. I loved that book. It was just sensational, just the best. Yeah. So, Alan, how do we get started? It's it's a story of a, a young couple that got married. Um, I think it was like 1928, and it's their first year of marriage, and. Um, it's Annie and, and Carl, and Carl is going to law school in the Midwest. Annie comes from Brooklyn, and she's, I think she was German-Irish. I don't remember exactly. I know she was Irish, maybe German, too. She has a little bit of an accent, um, and she comes to the Midwest, and it's just about their life in the Midwest, and she's just a great character, Annie. Is she's this just, Joy in the Morning, I, or is this it's Joy in the Morning? Okay, that's yeah, Joy in the Morning. Oh, 